Mission Neighborhood Bar and Restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Our address is 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out. Featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu, this is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food. Join us at Asiento. Whoa there. What a tomato! Where did you find such a nice tomato? What a tomato? I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a Tomato Produce Company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs, 2055 Jared Avenue. Everybody, it's high noon. It's time for the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Sadly, I am not joined by my co-host, Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. She is not here today, and that makes me sad. It's okay, she's not feeling well. I'm sorry, a lot of people aren't feeling well. Uh... You know what I'm not feeling well about? Can I get through? Can I walk around anywhere in this city without everybody talking about the ridiculous state of the union world that's happening? I'm like every single conversation everywhere is like, here's what we're. I mean, wow. Is it gonna make a difference? I don't know, man. I've been reading a lot of Marxism. Trying to do that. All right, it's time for the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. And uh, give me a call, 415-550-0511. We can talk about anything you want. (laughs) 
Uh, but I'm going to talk about some Marxism. We'll probably end up talking about the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because we just can't stop talking about that. Now, can we? All right. Uh, starting with the Drug Policy Alliance Minute. Doop, 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 doop. This was the last day, last week of President Obama's um, presidency. President Obama grants clemency to 330 people in final round of commutations. Advocates will push next administration on sentencing reform. Good luck. Today, well, this was on the 19th. Today, President Barack Obama commuted the sentences of 330 more people incarcerated in federal prison for drug offenses. This brings the number of prisoners who have been granted clemency under President Obama to 1,715. Yay! Yay! Thanks. He was, the, the goal was 1,800 and he ended up just 85 shy. And I gotta tell you, high five, brother. You did a great job there. Uh, the commutations and pardons represented the Obama administration's push to overhaul the criminal justice system, making it fairer while saving the government money. President Obama has been pushed to do more to release those serving time in prison under harsh drug laws that have imprisoned an enormous amount of individuals. Just last week, President Obama wrote an article in the Harvard Law Review outlining his administration's work on criminal justice reform. The president has done a great job on clemencies, but now Congress should pick up where he left off, said Michael Collins, deputy director of national affairs at the Drug Policy Alliance. There is a bipartisan movement for criminal justice reform, so both chambers should take action quickly to pass important sentencing reform legislation. Advocates fear that Donald Trump will take a tougher approach to criminal justice, but many were heartened when the House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Judiciary Chair Chuck Grassley recently committed to moving sentencing reform in this Congress. There are thousands of people in prison who should be granted their freedom, said Tony Papa, Median's media relations manager for the Drug Policy Alliance, who was granted clemency in New York State in 1997 after serving 12 years under the Rockefeller drug laws for first-time nonviolent drug offense. Papa, who recently received a pardon from the state of New York, just released his new book, This Side of Freedom, Life After Clemency, which highlights the roadblocks he faced after he was released. I am praying that the new president builds on Obama's work and grants every single one of them clemency so they can have second chances in their lives fat chance tony papa he's trump doesn't give a crap he doesn't want to night when you've got the prison industrial complex making money you wouldn't want to um you wouldn't want to you know change that up wouldn't want to have any problems there uh, this is interesting. Uh, we have another uh, Colorado Department of Human Services requests a $6 million annual allocation from the marijuana tax cash fund to pursue a public health approach to drug use and mental health. Hey, that sounds good. Uh, funding will support innovative harm reduction models of care, including law enforcement assisted diversion and mental health co-responder initiatives. Advocates applaud this critical step forward for cost-effective public health approaches that reduce criminal justice involvement and enhance public safety. All of that sounds great to me. Denver, Colorado. The Department of Human Services, in conjunction with the governor's office at the request 
and guidance of Drug Policy Alliance and other advocates such as the Equitas Foundation, submitted a request yesterday to the Colorado General Assembly Joint Budget Committee to allocate over $6 million annually to the mar- from the marijuana tax tax cash fund for grant-based initiatives that will create meaningful alternatives to criminal justice involvement for Coloradans with mental health or substance use issues. If successful over the 2017 legislative process, the monies will increase the treatment, public health, and harm reduction infrastructures for multiple jurisdictions in Colorado. Six million is not that much. A portion of the funding is targeted for jurisdictions interested in implementing law enforcement assisted diversion, LEAD. LEAD is a pre-booking diversion program designed to promote public health interventions while reducing the role of criminal justice system in the management of substance use related problems. The policy is touted by advocates as a positive step to change law enforcement culture where drug enforcement is concerned. In the first year, up to four localities will be chosen to pilot the program. LEAD is empirically shown to reduce recidivism, 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 save money, and improve police community relations by giving police the infrastructure to steer low-level offenders towards supportive resources and away from criminalization. LEAD is already being implemented in multiple cities across the country, including Seattle, Santa Fe, and Albany. This funding provision creates the opportunity for jurisdictions in Colorado to adapt this innovative model locally. The intent of many voters in approving Amendment 64 was to find a criminal justice alternative to the war on drugs. The lead model aligns with this intent by keeping low-level drug offenders out of the criminal justice system while offering them support to break the cycle of drug dependency, says Mark Bolton, senior deputy legal counsel to Governor Hickenlooper. Additional monies allocated in the request will continue funding or fund mental health co-responder programs like EDGE and bolster the capacity of the Colorado Crisis Service System. Taken together, support for these initiatives signals recognition that problems that may emerge as the result of drug use and mental health concerns are most efficiently addressed with strong public health infrastructure rather than through criminal justice involvement alone. Sounds good. (laughs) Drug use and mental health concerns are primary reasons many are drawn into the criminal justice system, and the problem is compounded by other challenges like poverty, lack of social supports, and selective enforcement of the law. It is an inhumane It is inhumane and a waste of taxpayer dollars to keep arresting and incarcerating the same people over and over when they would be better served by access to wraparound services and case management support that a program like LEAD has to offer, says Art Way, State Director, Colorado and Senior Director of Criminal Justice Reform Strategy at Drug Policy Alliance. We commend Governor Hickenlooper and the DHS for taking the step to express clearly that Coloradans, including law enforcement, are no longer willing willing to solely depend on the criminal justice system to address public health issues. The Joint Budget Committee will consider the proposal in coming weeks, and the General Assembly is expected to vote to finalize the budget request in early March. The budget request can be found here. And there's a link. Thank you, Drug Policy Alliance. Look, making changes, making changes all over the world, starting with Colorado. Good stuff. Take action. Give them money. Give us money. Hey, if you're going to give money to something, give it to Mutiny Radio. (laughs) Please, please give it to Mutiny Radio. All right, everybody. 
You're listening to the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. That was the Drug Policy Alliance Minute. Uh, Thanks to Drug Policy Alliance for changing our lives. Listening in the background, if you can hear that underneath us, it's Kope. It's the Japanese Bjork. I is gonna. So I'm thinking about a new podcast um, where I have people do, you know, we just talk, but it's like a we pretend it's like a house meeting or whatever. But it's all people with their uh, impressions. So um, you know, I'd like to invite uh, my good friend Bjork right now. Oh, Pan, thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. It is very nice to be here and. All the way from Iceland, you can see I am speaking English because I speak 12 languages, you know. When I am in France, I speak French to the people listening to my songs that I love to sing. And Iceland loves me the best. So, hey, thanks Bjork. Thanks for being here. Uh... Sadly, we are without Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. So we don't get any truth today. We get no truth. But coming up at 2 o'clock on Some Call Me Tim, not only do we have Pervert Fervor in the house, in the hizzy, here to rock the ones and twos, the meagity moogs for me and yous, we have that, but we also have Casey Scannell. Uh, he is our special guest today on Some Call Me Tim, which uh, I'm very, very excited to have him. All right, uh, because we're without Latoya, I said I'd play some David Bowie in her absence. So we will do that right now. This is uh, David Bowie's Starman, the original. The original. Didn't know what time it was and the lights were low I leaned back on my radio Some cat was laying down some Get it on rock and roll, he said Then the loud sound, it seemed to fade like a slow voice on a wave of thighs That was no DJ, that was Hazy Cosmic Jive So I picked on you, boo, boo. Hey, that's far out, so you 
I could hit the stone mistake. This is it! Till it's over and then. It's nice and I love you for, forever, Bjork. Forever and always. I love you. Thank, thank you, Pat Benjamin. It's nice to be here. I see I can't do it right now. It's terrible. Uh, I got to tell you, I miss LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. I'm even right now clamoring for, for a sweet gale, if you will, I would say. Wow. Hit me up with some sweet gale. We listen to some David Bowie. We listen to some Bjork. I have Queen and David Bowie and some Prince from Amsterdam. We'll be listening to that a little bit later here on the AltaCast. But uh, let's look up the bad news. Put in bad news to our old friend Google, and what do we get? We get bad news, bad news bears, bad news brown, bad news racing, bad news about metformin. What is metformin? I'd like to know. Metformin makes headline news. Metformin is the first line drug choice in the treatment of type 2 diabetes. It was first approved in Europe in 1958. Really? For type 2 diabetes, the bad news gets worse. Uh, So I guess metformin was a widely used drug and it's no good, huh? Uh, a new study. Oh no, I don't want that. Uh, anyways, uh, now I now we know. Uh, don't. Hey, how about don't get diabetes? <laughs> I'm such a jerk. Uh, well, metformin is a bad drug now, so that's still. And for some reason, the Google search engine thinks that that is important for me. Uh, oh look at so I, I put in bad news about. I was just going back, and we've got. Bad news about Metaformin, bad news about Christianity, bad news about Pokemon Go, bad news about clowns, bad news about Chipotle. What is the Google search doing to me? I love this weird game. Bad news about Chipotle. Now, I remember that was last year because I got to be in one of those things where they gave me money to talk about stuff. And I was like, hey, Chipotle. Um... More bad news for Chipotle. Woman is suing for $2.2 billion. Oh, I know. I need to know what is going on here. This is in the Denver Business Journal. More bad news for Chipotle. Woman is suing for $2.2 billion. That's insane. A California woman is suing Chipotle Mexican Grill Incorporated for $2.2 billion, saying the Denver restaurant chain used a photo of her without her permission. 
The Sacramento woman, Leah Caldwell, claims in her suit that she was eating at a Chipotle near the University of Denver in 2006 when a photographer asked her to sign a release for a photo he had taken of her and she refused to sign. Caldwell claims that she saw her image used on a wall in Chipotle in Florida eight years later and also at Chipotle restaurants in California in 2015. In her suit, she's asking for $2,237,633,000 in damage. <laughs> a Chipotle spokesman said, the filing of a lawsuit is purely allegation and is proof of absolutely nothing. The Los Angeles Times talked to a California attorney who specializes in image use cases who said that Caldwell's claim of $2.2 billion will be difficult to prove and probably not terribly realistic. Earlier this week, Chipotle said it will miss an analyst's fourth quarter earning expectations. And also this week, Chipotle's head of marketing pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor under a plea agreement with New York prosecutors. Oh, wow. Bad times for Chipotle. Chipotle. And I just thought their food was shitty. Uh, no, that's funny. So they asked me in this thing, they gave me money and it was a one of those things, what are they called? Market research or whatever. And they said, what can we do to get you back? What's What can we do to make you like Chipotle again? And I said two words, fish tacos. Fish tacos. Anyone with a fish taco, I will. I'm in it. I'm, I'm, I'm in with both feet deep. Bring me some fish tacos. I want some fish tacos. Uh, bad news about Christianity. This is interesting. Bad news about Christianity. What is so bad about Christianity? Uh, which is, it's so funny. This is, it's probably put together by the Christians. Uh, Christians need to face the bad news about Christianity. Uh, wow. Uh, there's a bad news about Christianity Facebook. The good and bad news about Christian higher education. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's where you go to get your uh, MRS. The guys go to get their, you know, BA or their BS. And the girls go to get their MRS. But uh Hey, Christians know how to make money. I tell you what. This is a relatively recent article, uh, the good and bad news about Christian higher education. Christian colleges are as strong as they've been since the 1920s, says historian William Regenberg, but there are challenges on the horizon. Wow. Uh, academic freedom might seem like an ivory tower concern, but Taylor University historian William C. Regenberg links it to two central Christian emphases, truth and community. In his latest book, The Christian College and the Meaning of Academic Freedom, begins rooting academic freedom in such virtues as honesty, humility, and love. Riggenberger then narrates the history of Western European and American higher education with a focus on changing notions of academic freedom before exploring case studies. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, just, I... More rules and structure on what you're learning. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, bad news about is not such bad news. Really coming out of here. Uh, let's go to the crazy. Bad news about clowns. Why not? American America under siege. Creepy clown reports. Really? This is this is crazy to me. What's with all the clowns everywhere? It's from CNN. Clown sightings, 2016. Why it's happening and why you shouldn't. 
serious or just a sick joke what we know about creepy clowns report uh, this was all about last september and october there was a lot of creepy clown stuff kids weren't allowed to go uh to school dressed up as clowns real clowns say creepy clown sightings are bad for business <laughs> Oh, the real news. This was happening when we should have been paying attention to uh, who was going to be our president. But, uh, yeah. Oh, God. I'm so sorry, you guys. Let's get back to some more music. I, I don't even know. I just, I don't want to talk about the bad news, the bad things that are happening right now in our world. I mean, <sighs> about those protests. Hey, where'd you protest on? Uh, what was it called? Uh, <laughs> protest. Last, um, that happened last fr Saturday or whatever. The, the, and it was uh, terrible because there was tons and tons of traffic and it was raining. I didn't, I just didn't college issue bad news for students who skipped school to protest. Oberlin College will not suspend failed grades for students who have participated in a protest. Uh, I don't know. I, I, does it make a difference? Race-baiting protest backfires. Colin Kaepernick, what's he doing now? Anyways, I don't even know what I'm doing. You guys are listening to the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. Uh, it said... Google has some bad news for Trump ahead of his big day. This is a huge mistake. I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised that I, with all of the news that just comes to your phone, you know, I, I don't have a smartphone, so I don't get the news in the morning like a normal person. All right. Uh, this has been in my head all week. This is Prince. Uh, I could never take the place of your man here on Mutiny Radio. I was qualified 
Listening to the AltaCast, that was a big rock block of music because I'm alone today here on the AltaCast. Nobody's with me. It's very, very sad. But later, I'm gonna have Casey Scanell here. Oh, pervert, fervor just walked in the door. 
That's exciting news. Uh, I'm trying to find news that, you know, doesn't, uh, that doesn't involve that stupid person that I don't want to mention because I can't go anywhere. You can't ride the bus. You can't be at a bar. You can't turn around outside smoking a cigarette at a floating goat concert like last night. And everybody, everybody is talking about it. Him. And it's going to make no difference. At what? Ask Huey Lewis what? Oh, about the news. But um, sh- yeah. Uh, I just don't want to. I just don't want to talk about that. That stuff. Uh, here's what I'll talk about. This is a dumb thing. It says, "Curry up now." Sets for opening date in Oakland Outpost. Let's talk about the dumbest restaurant in the world, on Valencia, called Curry Up Now. Oh, yeah, great. Uh, Curry Up Now is dumb. They have deconstructed samosas. Why would you want to deconstruct a samosa? It's the perfect food that was ever created in the history of ever. It is wonderful deep fried triangle of awesomeness. I love samosas. They're one of my desert island foods. Why would you want to deconstruct it? Dumb fucks. That's what I have to say about that. Curry Up Now. Um, Oakland Restaurant Week. That's happening. Uh, San Francisco Restaurant Week is happening too. Boy, do I wish I could afford that. Uh, When I was in San Diego long, long ago, I used to do restaurant week like crazy. Uh, But no longer. Sad face. Um, This is interesting. This is a local news story. Millennium Commune Chateau Umbutu reportedly hit with violation for illegally operating. Uh, Chateau Ubuntu is located on Fell Street near Alamo Square. It's in a cute little house. And uh, the infamous San Francisco community house Chateau Ubuntu is currently operating illegally, according to a San Francisco Examiner report. The Examiner reports the home on Fell Street is categorized as a three-family dwelling by the planning department and lacks the permit to house more people. The city planning department paid a visit to Chateau Ubuntu in October 2016 after being tipped to a possible violation and served the house with a notice of enforcement on Tuesday. According to Chateau Ubuntu's Instagram, 38 people live in the house. Wow, if it's a three-family home, you would think that would be like maybe 15 people. The planning department requires that you immediately proceed to abate the violation by restoring the subject property to its authorized use as three dwelling units, each occupied by an individual family. The enforcement notice obtained by the examiner reads, If you wish to legalize the use of the subject property as group housing site, a building permit application must be filed for a change of use. Chateau Ubuntu became the city's most mocked communal living situation last year when its Craigslist ad started circulating on social media. It advertised its intimate house concerts, a monthly membership fee of $350 to cover a share food plan and social events, and 1,330 hugs given out per week. (laughs) Rent at the time was anywhere from $650 to $1,050 per month, depending on if you wanted a six, four, three or two person shared bedroom. Wow, that is expensive. What? That is insane. Who are these millennial little dickbags that have that much money to spend on rent? 
I mean, I guess this city's expensive, right? But this is insane. So there's a little video, um, and there's a hipster girl with her hipster glasses and her hipster jacket. Uh, she's wearing white, but her little hipster hat. We're going to see what they have to say. Baby boomers, your millennial children are worse off than you. Millennials earn 20% less than boomers did at the same stage of life. Despite Andrew Ledesma has a four-year college degree, but works 30 hours or so a week making pizzas. You think you're going to graduate and all these things are just going to happen for you. And when nothing happens, you're like, well, what was this for? I just spent all this time and money, so much money. The 28-year-old is not alone. A new study done by the advocacy group Young Invincibles confirms what many millennials suspected. They are worse off than their baby boomer parents. We know the Great Recession has had a big impact on millennials. We also wanted to look at decades-long trend um, in the economy and in financial security to see what we're f we were facing compared to, for example, what our parents saw when they were our age. The median net worth for young people dropped by half. So young people today have half the median net worth as young people did in the 1980s. Wages have also dropped significantly by 20%. Those between the ages of 25 to 34 had a median household income of nearly $41,000 in 2013, compared to nearly $51,000 for their parents in the 80s. Fewer millennials also own property. Overall, we see decline in home ownership um, from the 1980s, young people in the 80s, to today by about 8%. That includes Heather Baker and husband David Morak, who are stuck with $70,000 in student loans. High childcare costs caused Baker to stop working over a year ago. And with Morak's $50,000 a year income, they needed to move in with his parents to save up for a house. For me, it wasn't appealing to pay a premium mortgage insurance, you know, pay a bunch of interest on a house that may not be worth that if the market were to crash again or may not be worth that in the long run if you were to sell it. The American dream now, I think, we're just striving to be happy, just know what happiness is and making our life fit us instead of making ourselves fit what's going on in the world, I guess. Ledesma's mother can see that our generation had it easier. I think everything is just harder for them, whether it's the economy and it's politics and just the, you know, drugs out there. When Ledesma was younger, she thought at this point she'd have a house and be making more money. Like that's not something that people strive for and that's not something that's even attainable. Millennials living with the reality of a new kind of economy. Carrie Antelfinger, Associated Press. Wow, wow, wow. I'm a millennial. I only make I went to college and I deserve everything. Give me a break. Maybe you need less. The average is $48,000 or whatever. I live on less than 20 grand a year. You want too much, millennials. Oh, but I have to have a computer in my pocket. My iPhone is a computer. It's $1,000 and I just need it. All the things people think they need. You need less. And my life is so difficult. Well, this Ubuntu thing, that's... There we go. I'm sorry. I don't... I just want to be happy. Yeah, well, you can be happy without your, you know, iPhone or whatever. You say we're going to live an authentic life, you dick. <laughs> Uh, shout out to old dumb face out there somewhere in the world. Hey, you're listening to the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Poor millennials. Meow, 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 meow. I'm never going to own a home. Meow. Well, we could actually push the 
communist manifesto. No one would own homes. No one would own property. Ha ha. Uh, I've been reading a lot of Marxism and there ain't no party like the communist party. Am I right? What? What? Uh, but I was seriously uh, going through some of it today and uh, labor. Capitalism depends on labor. And unless we value our labor, I, my labor is devalued. I devalue my own labor. We as women devalue our labor. Uh, being a mother is labor, BT dubs everyone. A lot of people out there. I, I don't have any kids because uh, I chose not to do that labor. In fact, on my way here today, I felt so good about doing it too. Um, a small child, maybe like two and a half, maybe three probably closer to two and a half, not a lot of vocabulary, but wouldn't shut the fuck up. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, with the nanny and the, it's obviously a nanny cause the nanny's not talking to her and she's talking to herself and she's sitting next to me, this little girl. And she really wants me to look at her, but I'm reading Marxism and I don't give a fuck because I'm not working and I do not interact with your child in a positive way unless I want to, which I don't because I usually get paid to do it. So I just ignored the kid and read my book and I kept peripherally, I kept seeing her like look up at me like an entitled little jerk face that it is. But I'm a cute child. Pay attention to me like everybody does. Why won't you smile at me? I'm a cute little child. Because you know what? You need to learn, little child, that not everybody's going to pay attention to you all the time. That you don't just get to, I'm little, look at me. Sometimes people aren't going to pay attention to you. That's the world. And you know what? I don't have to pay attention to you, small child. I can read my Marxist reader. I can do that. Don't have to pay attention to you. Every little kid is, ah, look at me, baby. I want an iPhone, look at my thing, give me my iPad, and then blah, blah, blah. God, all these little entitled little, little jerk face kids. Not everybody has to pay attention to you, child. I certainly am not going to. No way. All right. <laughs> am I a big jerk? Kind of, maybe, maybe, kind of. Let's listen to some more music. Uh, this is exciting music because, and I invite you to sing along. This is the Labyrinth Dance Magic Dance Sing Along with closed captions by David Bowie. Uh, you can't see it because you're not here with me, but you should sing along with it. Um, I might sing along too. Because Latoya's not here, we're playing Bowie and Prince. All right, here we go. love that the baby's crying. Screw that kid. You remind me of the babe. Babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. A goblin babe. <laughs> well, <laughs> I saw my baby crying hard as babe could cry. What could I do? My baby's love had gone and left my baby blue. Nobody. 
Demon snails or puppy dog snails. Thunder or lightning. And baby said. In nine hours and 23 minutes, you'll be mine. <laughs> Today, uh, the President's focused on fulfilling one of his most uh, significant campaign promises to the American people by making America safe again, by taking steps to secure our borders and improve immigration enforcement inside the United States. The President intends to sign two executive orders after observing the swearing-in of, uh, of Security Secretary of Homeland Security Kelly. Uh, the first order is the Border Security and Immigration Enforcement Improvements. Uh, it addresses long overdue border security issues, and it's the first order of order of, in that will be to build a large, large physical barrier on the southern border. The second executive order, Enhancing Public Safety in the Interior of the United States, addresses the enforcement of our immigration laws in the United States. Federal agencies are going to unapologetically enforce the law, no ifs, ands, or buts. And we're going to strip federal grant money from the sanctuary states and cities that harbor illegal immigrants. The American people are no longer going to have to be forced to subsidize this disregard for our laws. The last administration uh, will enforce the rule of law and restore value to the American citizenship, our greatest asset in the 21st century. Uh, that is some awful, awful, horrible news. Uh, that the racism in our country is rampantly running out of control with this new presidency. Uh, the president says his director will save thousands of lives, millions of jobs, and billions and billions of dollars. You're insane. Uh, 
the migrant worker population is so important. Have you watched the movie from the early 2000s called A Day Without a Mexican? One of the best movies. It's a terrible movie. The way it's made is really low production value, but the concepts behind it are pretty fucking awesome. A Day Without a Mexican. Oh, what are we going to do? Who's going to be your nanny? Trump, jerk face. Who's... Who's going to raise your children? The one thing that Hillary said, well, his kids are nice. So he must have done a good job as a dad. Well, thanks for complimenting his nannies. That's exactly what you did. God, I hate this guy. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to do this. Uh, Something else that happened horrible this week because uh, he's an awful person. First, federal workers to told to halt external communication in first week under Trump. Staff have been told to stop talking to Congress and to the press. Oh, oh, in the new totalitarian regime, totalitarian regime, no one can talk to the press. Oh, and everything's supposed to be quiet inside. Uh-huh, yeah. That's kind of seems fascist and dictatorial and uh, has a lot to do with people. And today, uh, I, was, I was so angry. I was on the internet and somebody wrote in, if someone could just point out to me that, uh, what, how Trump and the Nazi regime and Hitler are the same, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. How everyone says that Trump and Hitler are like the same. Duh! Because remember when Hitler did a little thing called uh, putting stars on the Jews and moving them to the ghettos, moving them to specific parts uh, because of their religion? Oh, really? Yeah! Are we afraid? Are you just... What? Is he afraid of Mexican? And it's not just Mexico. I mean, it's all, I mean, oh God. We're the melting pot and not anymore because they don't want pot and they don't want us to melt together. Uh, So Washington, multiple federal agencies have told their employees to cease communications with members of Congress and the press. Sources have told the Huffington Post. The freeze has startled aides on the Hill and people at those agencies who worry that it could abruptly upend current operations and stifle work and discussions that routinely take place between branches of government. Officials at sub-agencies of the Department of Health and Human Services, for example, have been told not to send any correspondence to public officials, according to a memo shared with HuffPost. Instead, they have been asked to refer questions to agency leadership until the leadership has had time to meet with incoming White House staff about the new administration's policies and objectives. Oh, about their lies and the propaganda that they're going to unroll. Oh, uh uh-huh. According to a congressional official who was also informed of the communications freeze. An official with the National Institutes of Health told HuffPost that an email had been sent to the directors of NIH institutes and centers providing guidance from HHS on how to handle new or pending regulation, policy, or guidance. The HHS guidance instructs HHS operating divisions to hold on publishing new rules or guidance in the Federal Register or other public forums and discussing them with public officials until the administration has had an opportunity to review them. The official said, oh, so no one can think for themselves anymore. We're just going to all, well, let's find out what the party line is and then we'll pass it along. It's unclear how the freeze goes. However, as officials uh, close to the centers of disease control, close, close to the centers of disease control and prevention, say that agency was unaware of any such freeze. 
and Bill Hall, a spokesman for HHS, says the agency was not restricting all forms of communication with the public or media, but instead was directing officials to limit communication about proposed or pending regulations. There is no directive to do otherwise. That said, there also appears to be a lockdown on external communications at the Environmental Protection Agency. As HuffPost reported Monday, a memo went out within the agency following a briefing for communication directors. The memo said there would be no press releases, social media posts, or blog messages until further notice. It also asked for a list of external speaking engagements for staff and any planned webinars. It warned that listservs would be reviewed and that staff should only send out critical messages as messages can be shared broadly and end up in the press. The EPA has frozen its grants as well. Sources told HuffPost on Monday, ProPublica later confirmed that freeze, as well as a stop on federal contracts in an interview with transition sources. A source who works closely with the states and territories on EPA grants said they heard from the agency on Tuesday evening that a review of grants would be done by Friday. A similar directive has been issued to staffers at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's research arm, BuzzFeed News reported on Tuesday. The Agricultural Release Service employs 2,000 scientists and postdoctoral researchers. Starting immediately and until further notice, ARS will not release any public-facing documents, wrote Sharon Drum, chief of staff for the research service, in a department-wide email that BuzzFeed obtained. The list of prohibited external communications include news releases, photos, fact sheets, news feeds, and social media contact. Except that Trump can have his stupid Twitter. Like, Trump's on his Twitter constantly. Oh, I'm the president now, and I'm on Twitter. But no one else in the real government? Now, now we've got, like, a, a fake reality TV government that doesn't actually do anything that we don't get to know about because you're shutting down, you're freezing the communications of our government, of our freely elected government? Bullshit, freely elected, my ass. We didn't elect Trump, and then he just has a whole new cabinet of people, all of his cronies from everywhere. Oh, this is great. See, I didn't even want to talk about this. It is so awful. But it's starting right now. Hey, did you ever call Germans Nazis? Did you ever feel terrible about that? They were regular people. Not every German was a Nazi. But they let it happen. How'd they let it happen? How are we going to let this happen? Are we going to let this happen? Are we seriously going to let this happen? Is it just going to happen and we're going to be like, Oh, well, we're just millennials and we can't, you know, I just... I want to live in my commune and be happy with my iPhone and I just want to be happy. You know, I, I only need like $50,000 a year. It's like not that. You know what? I live on less than 20, you jerks. You don't need everything you think you need. All this capitalist stuff. Do we really need all this stuff? Can we just own our own labor and not have to get new more stuff? Three million Americans are hoarders. They have a disability, they have a mental health issue, we've got a mental health issue in the United States because people have too much stuff, because we're entitled to so much stuff, because we need it all, because we need the Ronco food dehydrator, and we need the milk frother, and we need, you know, the newest, coolest iPhone, or the Samsung, or the, well, mine needs to be waterproof, and then I gotta get a GoPro, because I'm, you know, I'm gonna race down the hill, because I gotta go skiing and spend $150 on a ski pass, Ah, ah, so angry. I just, I just hurt something in my body that didn't feel good. Like, I'm so upset. 
Uh, officials with the Trump transition team, however, defended the freezing of EPA grants and contracts as somewhat larger in scope than the acts of previous transitions, but similar in mission. Myron Ebal, who led Trump's President Donald Trump's EPA transition process, said it was to make sure nothing happens they don't want to have happen. Oh, like global warming? We already let that have happened. The Environmental Protection Agency, we're talking about our new regime, our new administration that doesn't believe in it. They don't believe in global warming. Oh, we just had the wettest storm. It's the wettest January since like the beginning of time, the sixth wettest January since the beginning of time in San Francisco. And watch, this summer is going to be blazing hot. And we go... Oh, well, you know, they don't believe in global warming. Uh, you know, the polar ice caps are melting or whatever, and then they're becoming rain. And then, hey, when San Francisco is underwater, when there's no more Treasure Island, then they'll still say, well, there's no global warming. It's just the polar bears wanted to go on vacation. You know what I'm saying? The polar bears wanted to come down here. Uh, I, can't, I can't read the rest of this article because it's just too sad that... Uh, that our government just froze communications with everybody. <laughs> they don't have to tell us anything. Of course not. I mean, here, let's... Uh, they don't have to tell us anything. It's very, very sad. Uh, you guys are listening to the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. I'm sorry. I didn't want... I really didn't want to be upset about that stuff, but I... I, I can't. I can't. Uh, all right, here we're gonna we're gonna read a little from uh, Uncle, our friend Uncle Marks, because uh, that's what I've that's what I've been that's what I've been reading. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Uh, the I was reading today about Capitol, but I'm gonna go back to. Manifesto of the Communist Party and what they say we need to do. All right. Here we go. Uh, these... Uh, the proletariat will use its political supremacy to wrest, by degrees, all capital from the bourgeoisie, to centralize all instruments of production in the hands of the state, i.e., oh, dang it. I'm so unprofessional. I'm sorry. I'm so unprofessional. I was supposed to have a. I was supposed to have a, a guest on today, uh, Antoinette. Of uh, she's a chef with a Cuban pop-up, but she couldn't make it. So that was an alarm. So saying that I was to expect her. Um, productions of the hands of the state, uh, i.e., of the proletariat organized as the ruling class, and to increase the total of productive forces as rapidly as possible. Of course, in the beginning, this cannot be effected except by means of despotic inroads on the rights of property and on the conditions of bourgeois production by means of measures, therefore, which appear economically insufficient and untenable, but which, in the course of the movement, outstrip themselves, necessitate, necessitate further inroads upon old social order and are unavoidable as a means of entirely revolutionizing the mode of production. It's so hard because... Right now, our entire government is in the hands. The 1% got us, guys. We did it. We gave it to him. We basically proved Marx right. He wrote this in uh, 1848. And we just said, yep, that's exactly what happened. The 1% controls all the money. And they control us. 
we, our labor is their capital. We are slaves to their, because we are capital and we devalue our own work and worth. And that's as Americans, we're entitled little dickbags. What I'm talking about is the slavery that exists in Indonesia for our clothes and for our manufacturing and in China. And that those that we stopped, that that's how we shield the Americans and say, oh no, no, you're better than them because you aren't the slave labor. Because the slave labor is over there and they're making the things that you're entitled to. They're making the crappy bullshit that you need to wear, the 52 seasons a year of the clothing that you need to have so you can feel better about yourselves instead of being truly authentic and happy. Because capitalism is based on competition and unless you're better than someone else, then you're not anything at all. Oh God, I hate capitalism and it is scary. In order to dismantle this, a lot of people are going to be really bummed out. The people that have all the stuff. But screw you guys. You're entitled to all the stuff. Oh, you're better than everyone else. You deserve. You deserve a Lexus. Or, why do we even have those crazy cars? Why do we even have cars? Why don't we have public transportation? I mean, competition. You're, we're all blind to the capitalism. And everyone's fallen into it. And now it's going to be worse than ever. Because we've given it to the 1%. We've said, you guys, you get it here. All right, here's how we dismantle it. And I know it's so scary to people that own things. Hey, I rent and I live in a big city. So for me, it doesn't matter. I don't own anything. I don't have anything. And that's when the people say, the Republicans say, well, how much of our money do you want to give to your poor people, Pam? Well, I am one of the poor people, but I don't want you to give me the money. I just want you to want less. Just want a little bit less. Why? Why do we feel, why do we Americans, why do we, oh, poor millennials, I don't make $50,000 a year. I deserve it because I went to college and I went to school and so I should make all this money. Just want less. Jeez. I, I know, it's, it's anti-American. Uh, these measures will, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, in most advanced countries, the following will be generally applicable. One, abolition of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. No more private property. It's kind of like the Native Americans. No one owned everything. No one owned anything because everyone owned. Why do we have to have fences? Why do we have to say, you know, I mean, yeah, you don't necessarily want to be friends with everybody, but... I don't know. Rent. Uh, two, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Yeah. The more money you make, the more you should pay. Stephen King said it. Tax me. Take my money. The rich people aren't paying taxes. Why aren't the... If you can afford to buy a $6 million boat, then you should pay sales tax on that goddamn boat and it should be 40%. I mean, seriously, you could spend millions and millions of... If, pro, graduated tax. Absolutely. And, and I know, it's, oh, the property tax is so expensive. Well, we wouldn't have any property taxes if we didn't own the land. Uh, this is hard. Abolition of rights of inheritance. You can't be selfish and save it up for your own kind. We're all the same kind. We're mankind. We're humankind. We're mankind. We're mankind. I'm a person. Son. I mean, this is the so hard to be a woman. Four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Now, I don't know about that. I mean, I guess if you don't agree with the 
gotta you gotta agree with the, the communist uh, with uh, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. I say, you know, no more paper money. Why can't we just trade goods and services for goods and services? Centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Public transportation is the best, is the best, is the best. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. The bringing into cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with a common plan. Oh, like we could grow hemp everywhere. Wouldn't that be amazing? Let's grow hemp everywhere. Oh, that'd be nice. Equal liability of all to labor. Establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Oh no, the rich people are gonna have to get their hands dirty. Oh, but I'm too good. I'm too good to do real labor. I'm too good to actually work. I'm too good to actually produce real things because I sit behind a desk and I pass around memos all day and I could put things in the cloud. Unless, I mean, unless you're writing code, you ain't doing real work. And it's market to the people. I mean, all this stuff. There are so many, I know it's hard to dismantle things because there'd be so many things that would have to go away. Like. You know, the military-industrial complex. Uh, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. Gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by more equitable dis- distribution of population all over the country. Nah, I don't agree with this. I don't think that anyone should ever tell you where to live or that you have to live in a certain place because there aren't people there to get moved by the state. I think that free choice still needs to exist. That's what Marx. I feel like he's a little off. Uh, 10. Free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Combination of education with industrial production, etc., etc. Uh, well, we have public school now. That's exciting. But, geez, I wish it was... Um, I wish they learned a little more. Anyway. Okay, everybody. That's the manifesto. The Communist Party. The 10 things. I hope they come after me and say, oh, come after me. I'm not afraid of you. Like, actually, I am. I am afraid of the government right now. I'm super afraid of the government that they are hiding things from us. Uh, let's find out what they're hiding from us. Uh, what is the government hiding? Oh, look at this. It even came up. What is the government hiding from us in 2016? Well, right now we know that they're hiding from us all the things that are going on in 2017. But uh, let's see. Let's see what comes up with this. I'm sure it's going to be a joke, but it's um, eight things the U.S. government doesn't want you to know. I think this will be a lot of fun. Listen to. Uh, You guys are listening to the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. Coming up next, some call me Tim with Pervert Fervor and special guest today, Casey Scannell. That'll be a lot of fun. If it's a top trending presents eight things the U.S. government doesn't want you to know.
A former FBI agent affirms the fact that the U.S. government has access to all of your communications. That includes text messages, emails, and yes, even phone calls. Not just phone records. We're talking actual recorded phone messages. The FBI and other federal agencies secretly work with telecommunication firms to record your every call for later use. Former FBI counterterrorism agent Tim Clemente said, Welcome to America. All of that stuff is being captured as we speak whether we know it, like it or not. Documents were released on the highly controversial online whistleblower site WikiLeaks, claiming that the U.S. has listened in on current president of France, Francois Hollande. It also shows that the U.S. has spied on the two previous presidents, Nicolas Sarkozy and Jacques Chirac, over a six-year period. France, a country that is considered an old ally of the United States, famously opposed the American-led invasion of Iraq in 2003. Ever since, there have been several several revelations of eavesdropping on diplomatic communications. Once the documents were posted online, Obama had to do damage control and call France's president himself and reiterate his promise to not spy on their country anymore. New drone technology has given the U.S. the ability to take out high-ranking enemy officials with pinpoint accuracy. But drones aren't always as precise as the government claims them to be. In April of this year, two hostages were killed accidentally in a United States drone strike targeting an Al-Qaeda militant base. The drones made several hits on different targeted Pakistani bases over a three-week period. During one of the strikes, 73-year-old hostage and U.S. citizen Warren Weinstein was accidentally killed. His death wasn't revealed by the U.S. government for months, partly because it took a long long investigation to actually confirm it. Since the controversial drone program's inception in 2002, a total of 10 U.S. citizens were killed by accident. A senior research scientist by the name of Boyd Bushman passed away in August of 2014. But before he died, he recorded what is known as his deathbed confession of the existence of aliens. While working for an advanced technologies company called Lockheed Martin, Mr. Bushman claimed to have taken part in reverse engineering flying saucer technology. During the video confession, he held up photos of what he says are actual aliens. He describes them as long-fingered and very friendly. Bushman claimed that there are American citizens right now in Area 51 who are working on UFOs 24 hours a day. In the past, other employees of Lockheed Martin have made claims of technology harvested from alien UFOs, including stealth bomber tech and laser-guided missiles. At one point in time, the American government tried mind control techniques and used everyday average citizens as test subjects. The project was codenamed Project MK Ultra and was implemented by the CIA in 1953. Project MK Ultra used lots of different methods to manipulate people's mental states. Some of the highly illegal methods included administration of drugs like LSD, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse as well as various forms of torture. Experiments were often conducted without the subject's knowledge or consent. The experiments lasted until 1973, when most of the documents surrounding the project were destroyed. 44 colleges, 15 pharmaceutical companies, 12 hospitals, and 3 prisons were all known to be facilitating participants in the illegal experiments. 
In 1981, unclassified documents showed that the American government once dropped 930,000 mosquitoes infected with yellow fever over Georgia and Florida as test weapons. In the document, the experiments were evaluations of entomological warfare. They wanted to see how many people could be killed with lethally infected bugs and how much it would cost to fund the attacks. In total, about 1 million female mosquitoes were bred for testing. There were other cities that were bug bombed, and those programs went under the names Operation Big Itch and Operation Dropkick. Documents released in 1997 show the U.S. government wanted to commit acts of violence against American citizens and blame it on Cuba. The program was dubbed Operation Northwoods. The plan proposed hijackings and bombings, followed by the introduction of phony evidence that would implicate the Cuban government. The attacks would happen on American soil in cities like Miami and Orlando. The government would then step in and blame Cuba for the attacks, and therefore have an excuse to go in and overthrow the communist leadership. Operation Northwoods was authorized by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but then rejected by President John F. Kennedy. In 2003, the CIA wanted to undermine the authority of Saddam Hussein by making a fake gay sex tape. They believed that shooting a fake video of Saddam having sexual relations with a teenage boy might destabilize his regime during the US-led invasion. That's hilarious that they stay, I mean, I can't believe that that's, I mean, I guess I can't believe it's real. It was looked like it was hidden by a taken with a hidden camera, very grainy. It was a secret videotaping of a sex session. Wow. That's hilarious. I don't know if I believe everything in this little video, eight things they don't want you to know, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, all right, we're going to listen really quickly to... Uh, this is a clip from Steve Poggi five years ago, 2011, uh, and it's called Drinking Too Much. It's roof, rooftop comedy. This is when he actually used to do comedy everywhere. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm happy to see you guys. Uh, like, really happy. I'm just kind of getting over screwing my life up on alcohol. Like, I did some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, one thing I never did was get a DWI. Like, granted, there were plenty of times I should have, I was just lucky. Okay, one time I was driving drunk and got into a three-car car accident. A little embarrassing because two of those cars were parked on a dealership's lot. Yeah, true story, I hit inventory. I totaled both cars out for $42,000 in damage. When I went to the dealership to sign paperwork, the owner was pissed at me. Really? You're gonna be pissed? I have insurance. Technically, I sold two cars. I don't even work for you. Really? You're pissed off at me? Eric hasn't sold anything all week. Eric, zero. Drunk, weird guy, two. I'll train him. Next guy. Uh, next guy. He's a funny bone favorite. You're going to dig him. Guys, give it up for Steve Poggi. Hey, keep it going for Sean O'Brien, everybody. Sean O'Brien hosting the show. The Irish guy who might have AIDS. Get his number. It's nice to see you guys. Uh, my name is Steve Poggi. It's kind of hard to pronounce. Typically, when I meet somebody for the first time, I've got to be like, it's Poggi. 
like a broke gangster, Poe G. That's how exciting my life has been. It's nice to see you guys. Happy to be here, mainly because I was in Tennessee last week, and that place sucks. Yeah. You know it sucks going in. The state motto is the volunteer state. Like, what kind of welcoming is that? It's like, welcome to Tennessee. Fucking little help here. <laughs> Put on an orange vest, pick up a beer bottle. They're everywhere, we don't know what to do. Oh, but it's good to be home in Missouri, the show me state, where I live in St. Louis, where we rank number one for murder and STDs. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should stop showing people shit. Maybe that's the answer. Just pull up your pants, lock your doors. It's not working out. Nope, it burns when I pee and I miss my cousin Terry. We gotta clean it up. I'm kidding. I don't have a cousin Terry. Uh, gotta love St. Louis, right? Because of the Cardinals. Any Cardinals fans? Yeah. See, I always go to town. Every time I go to town, I was like, if you're in St. Louis, go and see a Cardinals game, even if you don't like baseball. Just go and listen to how the cheer changes as everybody gets drunk. It's amazing. Because right? in the beginning of the game, everyone's sober and excited. It's a good cheer. Like, let's go Cardinals! Clapping and shit. But then about halfway through, they get a couple beers in them. Now it shortens up. Now it's just, go Cards! Go Cards! But by the end of it, when everyone's hammered drunk, stumbling around, they've pissed themselves, they don't even notice. One eye doesn't open anymore. They still cheer on the team. You'll still hear them out there, just birds! Birds! Right, there's a guy passed out on the field, but he used to manage the team, so nobody says anything to him. Just, oh, he's a sleepy LaRussa. It's a disease, people. He's not a stoplight, he's making some progress. Well, happy to see you guys. I'm a funny bone favorite. Hell yeah. I hate that title. That's kind of silly. He's a funny bone favorite. That's like saying, this next comic likes to smoke weed in the parking lot. Give it up for Westport Plaza Poge. Here he is. I like smoking weed. Don't get me wrong, weed's caused problems in my life, right? Thanks to marijuana, I no longer live at my mom's house. in the basement smoking a joint when I got snitched on by the tornado sirens. <laughs> Didn't see it coming. I'm down there trying to live my life. All of a sudden the family burst through the door in a panic. Look, what are you doing? Ooh. Planning for the worst, hoping for the best. You wanna hit this shit, Mom? Nope, all right. I'll just pack my stuff and get out of here then. Went on the internet, found a female roommate, said she worked nights. After I moved in, she told me that she was a stripper. So I told my friends that I won the lottery. I'm sure they feel similar. But it was great, man. Finally, for the first time, I got to drive to my mom's house for holidays instead of just walking up from the basement. Like, that was an exciting change, right? One Thanksgiving, I didn't get all the way through the door. Family's already at a DEFCON 1 because there's a squirrel trapped in the chimney. Yeah. While we're sitting there trying to figure out how to get it out, my uncle just goes, let's just smoke them out. So like, hell yeah. I started rolling them up right there, right? Like, oh, we'll get that damn squirrel. Duraflame, this is purple haze. Take a nitro, Nana, this shit's coming. 
One of the best parts about living with a stripper is all the cosmetic kickbacks you get, right? You get dry skin in the wintertime? Not if you live with a stripper. Hell no. She's got lotions, potions, elixirs, mixtures. Hell, she's like Harry Potter with a better vagina. You gotta find one of these. I'm serious. The only thing is you just gotta ask before you grab a bottle of something and go to town, right? Because you could grab a bottle of something and that bottle's got glitter in it. Oh. Come out of the bathroom twinkling, that'll fuck up a playoff game. Nobody wants to cheer next to a twinkling man. No, it's not aggressive. And she's like, let's go Cardinals. Shut up, fairy. I hate you guys. It's all right, hanging out with her. I started going to the strip club a lot. Me and my buddy Sean go to the strip club. Strip club's not a place you want to go to a lot. All right, because eventually you start to nitpick the strip club. Like the club she worked at, they had these huge TVs that they play pornography on. Wasn't even good porn. No. They had a video with four girls on a four-way dildo. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is like a fucked up version of Hunger Hungry Hippos. What is... <laughs> Somebody directed this? Somebody got a loan from a bank to make this happen. Like they just walked in with a tire iron and a dream. They cut him a check. Way to go, America. Well, go to the strip club all the time with Sean. He was my drinking buddy, right? Sean's one of those guys though, like when he gets drunk, he tries to like spin whatever you say to make you sound like an idiot. Like we're sitting there having a couple beers. I'm like, hey dude, you've been dating Nicole for like four years. You guys gonna get married? Seems kind of serious. He's like, no, Steve. Why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? All right, what are you, an idiot? You live with a stripper, when are you gonna bang her? I was like, whoa, Jesus, Sean. Well, Sean, why buy the cow when the cow brings home other cows of equal or greater value? It's like, I'm not a farmer, but I can steer the herd, buddy. I'm not lonely. But living with a stripper, started to develop a little bit of an alcohol problem, a little bit of a drinky drink problem. One night, I was drinking and driving, got into a three-car car accident. It's a little embarrassing because two of those cars were parked parked on a dealership's lot. Yeah, a lot of problems with alcohol, true story. I totaled both cars out for $42,000 in damage. I had to go to the dealership the next morning to sign paperwork. The owner's pissed off. I'm still kinda drunk. We're in his office, he's yelling, cussing, throwing stuff around, I'm cool as a cucumber. I'm like, chill out, man, I've got insurance. All right, technically, I just sold two cars, I don't even work for you. I mean, I'm not making commission. Uh, you're pissed off at me? Really? Eric hasn't sold anything all week. Eric, zero. Drunk weird guy, two. I'll train him. Just need an office, secretary, and a bottle of Jägermeister, but we'll train him. We'll get him on board. So I do with the dragon. I didn't even realize that was a problem. Like, I hit inventory on a dealership. You might want to knock shit off. Fucking read a book. Watch Dr. Phil. Fix your problem. Not me. I was like, yeah, I was driving drunk, but I was texting, so that's kind of T-Mobile's bullshit. That ain't really my problem. But here's the thing. If you yourself ever wonder if you have a drinking problem, when a stripper tells you you need to get your life together, your ears should perk up on that one. Mine did not. Well, I kept going. See, here's the thing. Like, I was always like a fun drunk, right? I was always like lampshade on the head guy, right? Just a good guy to party with. But then I started to black out real easily. That's a game changer. 
Because now fun lampshade on the head guy turned into four in the morning at Walmart wearing just my boxers with dried puke on my chest crying. Like, why are these prices so low? Why are they so low? I don't trust that face. Fuck you, I'm going to Target. Just a maniac, right? Now, the problem that, like, I got in all kinds of trouble, man. Like, just two weeks ago, I just got off probation. After two years, off of one night of drinking, just getting a little too crazy, right? Involved my buddy Sean, you saw earlier. We were just gonna go out, have a couple drinks, walk back to his place. He lived close. I got separated. All right, I blacked out. When I woke up, I was wearing an orange paper government issue jumpsuit with two taser wounds to my chest and a lot of goddamn questions. Because I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know what time it was. I started to freak out. To keep myself from having a full-on panic attack, you know what I did? Yoga. Yeah, that's how stupid I am. This is my first night in jail. What do I do? Show the other prisoners how flexible I am. Oh. What a good idea, Steve. Maybe next time you can make some fake boobs out of toilet paper. That will accomplish the same thing. I just sit in that cell for what felt like forever, man. Eventually a detective came in. He took me into an interrogation room. We reviewed the evidence. Turns out that in my blackout, I walked to my buddy Sean's house. But Sean thought it would be a hilarious idea to have this girl I'd never met before answer his door and say he doesn't live there. Now thankfully, I know bullshit when I see it. So I walk around the side of Sean's house and I kick in his back door. So then Sean lived four houses down. Yeah, that's why I got tasered. Instead of being at Sean's house, I was just at some lady's house. And she didn't want me there. But apparently I really wanted to get in there. So I kick in the door, she gets scared, she calls the cops, they show up, right? They're all pissed off. Like I tried to surrender, I tried to be like, hey look, I'm drunk and confused, please don't electrocute me, all right, buddy? But I was blackout wasted, so instead of saying that, it came out a lot more like, birds, birds, like fuck, tase them, Larry. The kid's got rabies or something, what's wrong with him? It's a sick little bitch. Here's the thing, in the, city, if, in the state of Missouri, if you get arrested, and you don't remember why you got arrested, by law, the detective has to read you the police report out loud in case you can't read. Because if you do some shit like that, you probably can't read. You probably know three words. Where's the cherry bombs? That's it. You got issues. But it was scary, man. Like, I was sitting there, right? And I'm in there with the detective. I'm handcuffed from my wrist to my ankles. I got the jumpsuit on. Detective comes in. He's got the, the Kevlar vest. He's ripped. He looks like Hulk Hogan's older brother. Right? He's got the platinum badge. But I'm like, why do you have the vest on, man? Like, I'm handcuffed. There's not a lot of fight left in this dog. You electrocuted me. All right, I've been tapping out for hours. You just haven't paid attention. Why would you wear the, even if I wanted to come after you, what am I going to do? Like, nah, 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 you're not gonna lose a nipple, O'Malley. Get rid of the vest. All right, relax. But he was all pissed off, man. He was furious. He's sitting there, he's all bulked up, right? He's got this fat, swollen shoebox head, these angry wrinkles, angry wrinkles. It's like a pack of hot dogs was glued to his forehead. And he's reading me the police report. I ended up laughing in his face. I couldn't help it. I couldn't. He's going through, the officers instructed the suspect, Steve Pogey, to lay on the ground and put his hands behind his head. The suspect, Steve Pogey, 
responded by saying, that's what she said. <laughs> that's what she said. And then I did the electric slide, but not in the fun way, no. He's electric, boogie woogie, unconscious. That's what happens. And sometimes you shit your pants, that's just a fact. All right, I didn't shit my pants. No, I'm an alcoholic, not a sissy. There's a difference. Start rumors about me. They gave me three misdemeanors they sent me on my way. Two months later, the city of St. Louis reviews the incident, and they feel that I should have been charged with felony burglary. That makes it sound like I had a plan. Well, hell, I didn't even have a mask. Isn't that the first step? Step and plan the planning a burglary. Burglary. Step one: put on your mask. Step two: I don't know what that would be. Um, if I had to make a guess, I'd probably say don't ring the fucking doorbell. Probably a good number two, right? Everyone up if you're gonna burgle them, right? I'm not a criminal mastermind, but I saw the first ten minutes of Dark Knight. Night. All right, there seems to be more to it than just. Are you guys happy Osama bin Laden's dead? Can we check with you? You guys happy about that? All right, three people. Nobody else knows who the fuck that is. Uh, I, he's our president, right? Is that who he's talking about? Oh. Fuck. Dude, that's bullshit that we didn't get one picture. Right? Like, he didn't even have to really be Bin Laden. It could have just been a Mexican guy with pubes glued to his face. I would have thought that was Bin Laden. He lied to us about other shit. You can't just Photoshop something? What's wrong with you? Government? We didn't even get one picture. Now, one picture of Bin Laden's dead body, and then somebody with, like, their balls on his face, drawn like a dick on his forehead. Like, we didn't, we didn't have any fun. We killed Bin Laden. Can we see the body? No. Well, what'd you do with it? We threw it in the ocean. You asshole, why would you do that? You took the world's biggest bad guy and then you treated him like the necklace from the Titanic. Just, never let go, Jack. Never let, oh, no, 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 never let go, Jack. Could have had more fun with that. But I like living in St. Louis. The only thing about St. Louis is everywhere you go, there's drinking. Right? Like even the goddamn zoo has drinking in it. <laughs> it's like, welcome to the zoo. Here's a shot of Patron and the Budweiser. Penguins are over there. <laughs> yeah, just make a ride at the keg stand, left at the beer pong table. We got kangaroos and shit. Get in there. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. We have lost the zoo. Ended up meeting the girl I would fall in love with, and I knew I was gonna fall in love right away. First day I met her, she was like, I smoke cigarettes, I smoke weed, I drink, and I'm a vegetarian because I want to stay healthy. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's just start off crazy. That seems like a good plan. <laughs> but as you fall in love, you get to learn about that person. For me, I learned that she was lethally allergic to cats, lethally. Like she had to carry a shot around with her at all times. I was upfront about this. I told her, I was like, look, if you have a reaction and I've got to take your needle and punch through your chest plate into your heart to save your life, I'm gonna talk about it on stage. She was like, no, 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 Steve, if I have a reaction, you gotta stick me in the leg. Glad we cleared that up. 
That would have been an awkward 911 phone call. 911, what's your emergency? I saw Pulp Fiction and I fucked up. She's dying, I'm a dumbass. Get a bus over here now. Bring the electrical thing, shit got real. That's the thing, love makes you crazy, right? Like I've seen in other people. Like one time, I had this lunatic call me up demanding to know if I had stolen his girlfriend. Stolen a human be- Well, I don't know why Felony Funny is uh, not working out for us right now. That was Steve Poggi with Felony Funny, the special that he recorded long time back. His new one is actually coming out relatively soon. So stay tuned for that. He always just, and he burns material when he's done. So you'll never hear those jokes again. Uh, But that's exciting stuff. You guys uh, should come to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival March 1st through 5th in 2016. It's going to be, or 2017, it's going to be really exciting. And uh, I'm I'm super jazzed for it. You should be too. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the AltaCast today. Uh, Sorry LaToya wasn't here. That was a bummer. Uh, But we'll be back next week. Alex. Ed. Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. (laughs) That is incorrect. (laughs) Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives. To smoke it. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tussle Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. 
You can simply download the podcast post show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you gotta do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., from Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics 
will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now. Brought to you by our generous festival sponsors, Alta California Botanicals, Destiny's Mom, What a Tomato Produce Company, the law offices of John P. Strauss III, Asiento, FruFruHot.com, Jankytown.org, Brooke Heineken, Pervert Fervor, and Trina Roderick. Asiento. This locally owned Mission Neighborhood Bar and Restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Our address is 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out. Featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu, this is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food. Join us at Asiento. Whoa there. What a tomato! Where did you find such a nice tomato? What a tomato? I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a tomato produce company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs... 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy, because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Mom's Comedy. Our last show sold out, so get your tickets now at punchlinecomedyclub.com. Charm Offensive at Punchline Comedy San Francisco. Tuesday, March 7th. See you there, sexy. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. 
John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com